Merry Christmas. So good to be with all of you. I'm glad we get to gather together to celebrate tonight with our church family. Welcome those of you joining us online and at our locations in Mesa, Fountain Hills, and South Mountain. It's good to be together. Aren't you excited for Christmas? I love this celebration and this season. I want to talk to you tonight about the gift of love, the gift of love. Every gift that we give communicates something, doesn't it? You know, what you give to people kind of communicates something about what you perceive that they need or what you think about them. Like tomorrow, if I start opening up presents from my wife, Amy, what if the first one were a year's supply of Rogaine and the second gift was a case of Slim Fast and the third gift was a book, How Not to Be a Jerk? <laughs> that would communicate something, wouldn't it? You know, and those actually wouldn't be terrible gifts for me. <laughs> like... God gave us this great gift in Jesus and it communicates something to us. If God perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he perceived our greatest need was to be happy, he would have sent a comedian. If he perceived our greatest need was just physical health, he might have sent a doctor. But God perceived that our greatest need was our sin and our state of separation from him and so he sent a savior. The Lord said to Joseph in Matthew chapter one about Jesus who would be born, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In Jesus' name, it literally means God saves. So G Jesus came as the greatest gift ever given to meet the greatest need that we have ever had. And now today we celebrate that 2000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world. He, who reigned on high for all eternity, made himself low and came into our world so that we might be raised up in glory through faith. And so it's no wonder that we associate Christmas time with the giving of gifts because Christmas is a celebration of Jesus' birth, which is the greatest gift, the gift of God's love. And most of us, we put a lot of emphasis on being a good gift giver. You know, there are articles you'll find on the internet, how to give good gifts to your loved ones or to friends, right? But we don't always emphasize how important it is for us to be good gift receivers. At Christmas, you can tell in your family who has acting skills and who doesn't. Right, you probably got some people in your family, it doesn't matter what you give them, it could be just like the silliest gift ever, and they will act so convincingly like they are overwhelmed with joy. They're just like, oh my goodness, like tears on demand. You got me exactly what I wanted for. And these are the people they could sell swampland in Florida, you know. <laughs> then you also have people in your family who have zero poker face, and you can tell immediately whether they like their gift or not, right? Like, they'll, they'll just be like, why would you even give me this? What, do I, what am I supposed to do with this, right? The, there's people like that. Uh, and the God who's given us this great gift, this gift of love, we celebrate it, but we don't always think about how important it is for us to receive it in the right way. And it's very important how we receive this gift. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. First, we've got to receive God's gift of love. Maybe you've had this experience where you try to give someone a gift and they protest. They're like, oh no, I couldn't possibly accept this. It's too much. Have you had anyone respond that way? Maybe it was at a dinner and you went to pick up the check and they're like, no, no, you can't. No, I insist. I couldn't let you do that. 
and you kind of fight over it for a minute. By the way, if you ever want to take me to dinner, I promise I'll only protest half-heartedly for like a second and then I'll let you pay if you want. But maybe you've given someone a big gift and you were really excited about it, but they, they protested, you know, like, I couldn't possibly accept this. It's, it's too much. And at first, that's kind of cute, like, kind of gives off the air of a polite humility. But then if they keep protesting, it starts to get annoying, doesn't it? You know, I didn't buy this for you on accident. I went to the store. I bought this gift. I spent money. I wrapped it up. I gave it to you on purpose. So you need to just take it. But there are a lot of people who protest to God's gift of love. Think about what we're actually saying when we do that. When someone tries to give us something that really, you know, they wanted to bless us with and we protest and we say, I can't accept it, it's too much. What are we really saying? We're either saying either you can't afford to give me this gift or I don't deserve it. And that's what a lot of people say in response to God's gift of love, which has been offered through Jesus. But I want you to think about what the Bible says. In John chapter one, It says about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus is the word of God who made himself flesh. He became human and he lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And then I love how one translation says, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. I like that because we'll read Christian words like grace and truth sometimes And we'll just kind of get used to them and not think about what they mean. But God's grace, Jesus came full of grace, full of unfailing love. The birth of Jesus announces the arrival of the love that every human craves. Every one of us, we want to be loved. And we've been loved by people at times, at least for a moment here or a moment there. But the love of people always fails. It always runs out. No one can love you perfectly all the time except for Jesus. He came into this world to bring unfailing love. His love, it always perseveres. It always sees the value in you, even when other people don't. And it's the love that you were designed for, so it's the only love that satisfies you. But you have to receive it. You've got to accept this gift or else you walk away empty-handed. Some people, when they hear about God's offer of this gift of love, they fight it and they'll say, you know, like, I couldn't accept it. It's too much. God couldn't possibly love me. I've done terrible things. It's too much. And what you're either saying is either God can't afford to love me like this or either I, I don't deserve it maybe. And you'd be right to think that we don't deserve this. We don't deserve this kind of love. But that doesn't stop God from loving us this way. It's a gift. And that's the thing about gifts. They're not given based on what the recipient deserves, but they're given based on the generosity of the gift giver. We've already established that Jesus is full of unfailing love. That means he can afford to pour out his love on each and every one of us unfailingly and continuously. There's plenty to go around. So All we have to do is just choose to accept it, stand on the shore and let the waves of God's love continuously wash over us. Here's a verse that a lot of people are familiar with, John 3, 16, but it says this, for God so loved 
the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then I want to read you the next verse, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I wanted to point this out because there are a lot of people who they have this idea of Jesus like he came to condemn you as if he came to point out everything that's wrong with you. And there are people that have this idea about churches and Christianity, like it exists just to make you feel bad for what you did on Friday night. But that's not it. If you have that perception of Jesus, it's because you didn't read the instruction manual that came with this gift. It says that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus not to condemn you for your sins, but to save you from your sin. So you have to let God love you. You have to receive this love. If you don't, you'll spend the rest of your life looking for someone else to give you the love that only God can give you through Jesus. So you've got to receive God's gift of love. Here's the next thing. You've got to receive Jesus as king. As king. I know he was born into a manger with humble beginnings, but he was automatically already king when he came into this world. Now Pew Research, they released a poll in June of this year and the poll said that just 20% of Americans trust the government to do what's right most of the time. Just 20%, that's probably high too. And you know, that number in 1960, it was 77%. It tells you something, our government has a lot of problems. I think it's cool, Winston Churchill said this, it cracks me up. He said, democracy is the worst form of government except all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. (laughs) So it's like the best worst form of government. In our hearts, we long to be led by godly, trustworthy leaders who will do what's right and protect us from danger and just handle our problems for us so we can get on with living our lives in peace. But instead, most governing officials, sadly, they cause more problems than they solve I mean, he longed for a better governing system. You'll notice that different groups, they're quick to offer different ideas about which system would be best. Like if you go to China, they'll say communism is best. If you talk to Californians, they'll say populism is best. If you talk to a libertarian in Arizona, they'll say small government is best. I like small government, that's a good idea. But the birth of Jesus, it ushers in the best form of government, a kingship. In Matthew 2, it says this, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem, and they asked this, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So Jesus, he was born into this world as our king, and when we think of having a king, I don't know, there's like a little bit of a bad taste in our mouths, because as Americans, the last human king we had sent redcoats across the ocean to try to kill our forebears. So we tend to think about kings and we're, no, I don't, I don't want a king. I want to have a vote. But that's because we've only experienced human kings. Human kings are sinful and so they oppress people and they take bribes and they raise taxes. But Jesus is a good king. Unlike human kings and emperors, he does not sin. He loves his people. He never raises taxes. <laughs> The book of Hebrews in the New Testament says that Jesus, he's a king who loves justice and hates evil. And someday we'll all rest under his reign. But for Christians, he already reigns in our hearts. So there's zero reason to celebrate 
baby Jesus in a manger unless you also submit your life to King Jesus as your ruler. He's ruler over our heart and our mind and our soul. And today we can announce that the kingdom of God is here because the king is here. And Isaiah says the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So we have this comfort knowing our king has come. And then here's the next thing. We've got to receive God's love. We've got to receive Jesus as king. And then we have to receive his forgiveness. He came to save us from our sins, but it doesn't do a lot of good unless you let him forgive you of your sins. First, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all a sinner. <laughs> Everyone needs a savior is what that means. And when we recognize that we're sinners because we violate God's standard of righteous, then we're equipped and we're ready to let God help us with this problem and receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. Before we put any presence under a tree, the living gift of God's love, our Savior, he allowed himself to be nailed to a tree on Calvary so that the blood that he shed for us could cleanse us from our sins as we trust in him. When we hear about that, it's normal for people, when they hear about God's forgiveness, to protest and say, I couldn't, couldn't accept this, it's, it's too much. And really what they're saying is, you know, either God can't forgive me because what I've done is too bad, or I don't deserve to be forgiven because what I've done is too bad. But that's not the way it works. And that's not the way that God sees it. In Hebrews 12, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, notice that, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I've noticed with my daughter, she's about three years old, turning three in a couple days, um, I've given her gifts over the course of her life, and she's never refused one gift. She's never protested. She's never said, Dad, this costs too much. She never said, Dad, I, I haven't been good enough. I don't deserve this. She just knows my dad is good and gifts are good. So give me, I'll take it, right? The thing is this. I don't like buying my daughter gifts. I like giving her gifts, <laughs> but I don't like having to pay for them, right? And that's not the fun part. You don't wanna have to swipe the credit card and then pay the bill. You don't wanna have to fork over the cash, but as a parent, you do wanna see your kid's face light up with joy when they receive a gift. It's not the paying that we enjoy as parents, it's seeing the kids receive. It's the giving and seeing the joy that it brings them. Well. When you read that passage about Jesus going to the cross, it wasn't going to the cross that gave him joy. It was what going to the cross allowed him to purchase. It was the idea that he knew when he went to the cross to die for our sins, he would be able to give us the gift of forgiveness because he paid a price that only he could pay. And that joy of gift giving outweighed the pain of gift buying. So you've probably had the thought, you know, at some point we think about life sometimes and we know someday we're all going to die. And you think, well, okay, if I have to die, I want it to be peaceful. Laying in my bed, surrounded by people who love me, holding my hand, singing hymns maybe as angels come and carry me off to glory. You know, that's what we think would be the ideal way to die. Jesus pretty much died the opposite way. 
He died publicly shamed, stripped naked, an agonizing, torturous death nailed to a tree. Most of his loved ones abandoned him and his enemies surrounded him, spitting him and mocking on him. And God poured out his wrath on his perfect son so that you wouldn't ever have to be in that position, but rather you could be forgiven from sin and receive this gift of forgiveness that Jesus paid for. A child has no trouble receiving gifts from good parents, but as we get older, we develop the sense of shame and guilt from our wrongdoing. And we'll protest sometimes. We'll say, you know, I just couldn't receive God's forgiveness. I can't just accept. I don't think God could forgive me. What I've done is too bad. But the reason people have that that idea, they protest like that, is because they trust more in their own badness than in God's goodness. The gospel says this, your sin is much worse than you even think it is. But God's grace is even greater than you hope it is. His grace brings forgiveness, and on top of forgiveness, we receive grace again. We receive favor. So let God forgive you and then embrace his favor. That's the next thing. We've got to receive his favor. In Luke 2, 14, the angels declare, they said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I want to point out this phrase, on whom his favor rests. It comes from the Greek word eudikia. If you just let me nerd out for a minute, it's this Greek word eudikia. You got a Honda? I got a Kia. Eudikia. <laughs> You're like, oh, he's speaking in tongues. Yeah, the tongue of Greek. Eudikia. It means goodwill, kindly intent, benevolence, delight, pleasure, satisfaction. In other words, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased with. Those whom please God. So many people, we go through life desperate for the approval of everyone else because we don't understand what it means that we've already received God's favor through Jesus. Even the toughest guys in the room, we got some tough guys in this church. We got our bold men's ministry and we raise up like stronger, studlier than average men. You know, like if you're a single girl, you're in the right church. This is the church you want to find a man. But even the toughest guys in our church, you might like sometimes you're like, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. It's like, yeah, you do. You're a liar. You do care. Every single one of us, we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want the people around us to approve of us, whether we pretend we don't care or not, we do. But that's because God hardwired us for this. He designed us to live in his favor, his approval and his pleasure. And that's available to us through Jesus. The birth of Jesus announces the arrival of God's favor to mankind. And it doesn't have anything to do with what you deserve. I'm gonna give my daughter presents I got some good things in store for her tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't trust thousands of people to keep a secret. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, I want to talk about it, but I'm not going to. And it has nothing to do with how well behaved she's been. It has everything to do with how I love her. In fact, she hasn't even been well behaved. She's in a phase of life where she pretty much only wants her mom and all I'm good for is hide and seek. Like my last interaction with her, I tried to give her like a little hug before church. She's like, oh, get off me. You know, I'm like, you, I'm taking your presence back to the store right now. 
No, right, because I love her. And so I wanna pour out love on her. I wanna spend on her because I wanna see her receiving good gifts and enjoy my kindness. This is what God does for us through Jesus. He just keeps loving on us. Even though sometimes we stubbornly resist it. Like, no, God, I want this thing more right now. No, God, I want to get myself into trouble again, doing the thing I said I would never do again. And we think God would take back his good gifts because of that. But instead, he just keeps offering us favor through Jesus. In fact, we're talking about his favor. The same word, that Eutychia Greek word, it appears in this passage in Ephesians 1. It says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In other words, it made him happy to do this. There's that word again. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. It just made God happy to adopt us as his sons and daughters through faith in Jesus. This is just grace that he just lavishes on us. Not because we've earned it, we can't. Not because we deserve it, we don't. But because he wants to give it to us. He wants to approve of us and show us this approval and pleasure through Jesus. And sometimes we'll protest and we'll fight it and we'll say, you know, I can't accept it. It's too much. To that, I would say, get over yourself. Has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with how much God loves you. All you have to do, all you can do is just say, thank you and receive it and enjoy the perfect, unfailing favor of your Father in heaven. It's so important you understand this because if you think you have to earn God's favor, then you'll also believe you can lose it. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Now, all that brings us to this point. I'm coming close to the end here. All the good things that we're celebrating, there's also an ancient Christmas tradition that is super important that everybody needs to understand, and that is (laughs) re-gifting. Inevitably, someone will give you something that you don't want, or it'll be something that you don't need, or maybe someone else already gave it to you. Don't let that opportunity go to waste. Wrap that thing back up and give it to the person who you forgot to buy a present for. Regifting is a beautiful thing. My wife is really good at regifting. She does not like clutter, so she's always looking to give things away to other people. I'm pretty sure she's encouraged me to give some things away that I still wanted. But you got to understand how important regifting is. Nobody wants your fruitcake, but give it to them anyway, you know? Just wrap it back up. So you gotta learn to re-gift God's gift of love. This is one time when re-gifting, it's okay, and the gift giver isn't offended because God has plenty more where that came from. He wants to give you love, and he doesn't just do it so that your life can be better, although that is a part of the benefit of following Jesus. Your life does get better, but... He wants to show other people his love through you. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, Beloved, so it's talking to Christians, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you want to understand what is love, like there, there are songs asking this question. What is love? Like you, you're like, I want to know. Tell me. What is love? It's defined by God. And you'll find the answer in his word. If you want to understand real love, you look at the Lord and what he's done for us through Jesus. And this is a gift we receive. And then we turn around and give it to other people. God wants to do a great work in you so that then you can turn around and allow God to do a great work through you. So first, you got to re-gift love this Christmas season. This is how we represent the love of Jesus to the world around us. It's not about just receiving love, but also giving love away to others, the love that we've received from God. Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. We need to be loving to one another in the church among the body of Christ. This is how we show the love of God to the world. Then we should re-gift justice. Jesus is a good king. He loves justice and he hates evil. And we can share the justice of God with other people around us, not like social justice warriors of today, but legitimate, real justice. We can stand up for the poor and the oppressed, we can preach liberty to the captive and bind up the brokenhearted. We can love the widow and the orphan and represent Jesus that way. Then we can re-gift forgiveness. This is where this message gets a little uncomfortable and challenging. Everybody likes the idea of God forgiving them, but then we'll turn around and struggle to forgive the people who've hurt us. Oh yeah, I want God to forgive me. That sounds good. Give me a clean slate. But then when you think about the person who hit, hurt you, who you're still going to therapy because of. It can be really tempting to hold on to that grudge and say they don't deserve forgiveness. But Jesus said this, if you wanna receive forgiveness, you've gotta give forgiveness. Anyone who doesn't forgive, they won't be forgiven by God. And so when you hear that, maybe your response is, okay, what? Well, I don't even know how to forgive the person who hurt me. And, and that's, that's okay, you're not alone. It's understandable that it would be hard to forgive certain things and certain people, but it starts with this, just cracking open the door of your heart and asking God for help. Just saying, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive. I definitely don't want to, and I don't know how to do it. And so I need you to show me, I need you to help me to forgive others. The way that you've forgiven me, I wanna give forgiveness to others. And then fourth, re-gift favor. God has given you his favor and approval through Jesus. And then you can turn around and you can lavish that same kind of favor on other people. There's ways you can do it. It doesn't cost you anything to speak words of encouragement to other people. But we tend to be stingy with our words. We tend to not give people the compliments that we could because we say things like, well, I don't want you to get a big head. They're not going to get a big head, right? Just Tell people when you see good things in them or you recognize their gifts or tell them how they've made an impact on your life. Speak words of encouragement and life to other people. That can make a huge impact in their lives. When we give this kind of love away to other people, we are representing the love of Jesus to the world and this pleases God. So we're gonna receive the good love of God and then we're gonna re-gift the love of God to others around us. Christmas is funny, right? It's the one birthday celebration where we give gifts to everyone else beside the birthday boy. We don't do that with anyone else besides Jesus, but it makes sense because his whole birth flips everything upside down. 
Normally, when a baby is born to parents, you know, the parents, they, they cuddle that baby and they, they coo and they call over the baby and they got all these dreams like, I'm going to give this baby a great life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach this baby to fish and, and how, to, how to play baseball. And the moms are like, I'm going to teach this baby how to get a good deal on, sh- you know, she's shopping. And, you know, like I, got, I got all these dreams for I'm going to love this baby and protect it and help her to grow up and have the life that, that I never have. Well, Jesus' birth was the first time and the only time in human history where the baby was born to parents and came to bring love and salvation to the parents rather than receive love from the parents. It's a, it's a very different situation because Jesus is like nobody else. His birthday is the only birthday where those attending the celebration receive more favor and gifts and cause for celebration than the one being celebrated. The, the one gift that Jesus wants in return from you, here it is. It's a pretty big deal, right? The one thing he wants back is his love reciprocated. He wants you just to love him back. And you won't love him back as perfectly as he loves you, but that's why he came. That's why he died and rose again, so that we would have the opportunity to know him and love him back and give our life back to the one who gave his life for us. But you've got to believe. You've got to receive this gift. It says actually in John chapter 1, but to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're at church tonight or online, and you need to cross the line of faith and receive Jesus yourself. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes just for a moment of privacy between you and God. We're not going to embarrass you, but I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you pray this sincerely, God will hear it and it will change you and your entire eternity will be different. You can be forgiven tonight and receive God's love and his favor by putting your trust in Jesus and just saying, okay, I don't understand it all, but I do recognize that I've sinned and I need a savior. I know I can't earn it, but I'm going to receive salvation tonight through Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to lead you in prayer. So wherever you're at, pray this with me and just say, God, I ask you to save me. I know that I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again three days later so that I could be forgiven and have eternal life. I thank you, God, for always loving me. And I ask you from this day forward to lead me as I follow Jesus to the best of my ability. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Well, hey, in a moment, we're going to go into a time of candle lighting, which is always such a cool part of the Christmas tradition. And I want you just to remember what that represents. During this Advent season, we've been lighting these candles, which represents the light of Jesus coming into the world. And each week we lit more of the candles as we got closer to celebrating the light of Jesus and his arrival. And now we're gonna light candles throughout the room at all of our church campuses. And I just want you to think about that and what it represents for a minute, what it represents. As that light spreads from person to person, it represents the light of Jesus spreading from Jesus to his disciples, to people who believed in him down through ages and all the way to us 2000 years later and then God wants to spread that light through you even now, still. Just a couple of like practical words of advice. When you're helping the person next to you light their candle, let them tilt their unlit candle to you. (laughs) 
don't tilt your lit candle to them or else you're gonna give them a gift they don't want, amen? <laughs> and then just like a little family talk note, if you could just help me with this and try not to drip wax over the seat and the people in front of you, right? Just, I would appreciate it. Okay, back to a spiritual moment now. We're com- come back to the spiritual moment. As we light these candles, just let yourself soak in that visual illustration of the love and light of Jesus spreading through our world through, uh, through you. And don't forget, just, maybe just pray for the people who you know in your life who still need to receive that light themselves. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for coming into our world, Jesus, being born so that you could be with us, so that you could save us from our sins and give us eternal life. We offer you our hearts and we wanna follow you and honor your name. And we celebrate every good thing that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.